0: Chapter six and verse one, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them, for then you will have no reward from your heavenly father who is in heaven. He's exposing the Pharisees here. The Pharisees practice their righteousness in front of everyone to try to act so righteous and display that they were so righteous, which Jesus continuing the Sermon on the Mount here, and his sermon is about shining the light uh, into people's hearts to expose their hearts, the corruption in their heart, the sin in their heart. Because on the outside, they think they're keeping the law and that they're living so holy and I must be holy and I'm going to go to heaven because I've been righteous. And um, they, they, you know, they, they're following the Pharisees' example. The Pharisees did all of this, practiced their righteous in front of people righteousness in front of people, to have people think, oh, how amazing, how righteous they are. Um, But actually, their hearts were sinful and corrupt, and they weren't saved, and they were lost. And and they're thinking that they saved from what they were doing, from their their acts of righteousness, but God sees their heart, their hearts are corrupt. And so these Jewish people that Jesus is speaking to, he's trying to break them out of uh, living so enamored and in, in awe of the Pharisees. You know, legalism in those days was a virtue. Oh, I just want to be so legalistic. Oh, look how legalistic the Pharisees are. They do everything right. They keep all the laws properly and and they do all the right things and they pray in public and they give so much money and they're so righteous. And so um, Israel was under a, a deception thinking that that's what saves you. And Jesus came, repent. The kingdom of heaven is near. That stuff doesn't save you. Stop thinking it does. You cannot save yourself by your works. Your hearts are corrupt. Your hearts are sinful. You can never save yourself. It's like trying to pull yourself out of a deep pit with your bootstraps, with, with your shoelaces. It's impossible. You can't do it. No matter, you cannot be perfect like your Heavenly Father. It's impossible. And Jesus had to hearten the law to show them how imperfect they were. And He kept shining a light into their heart to, to, for, for them to see. Their own corruption and sinfulness, so that they would abandon that and call out to a savior and receive him as lord and savior and put their faith in him. And so he's exposing hypocrisy, people that practice their righteousness in front of others to try to look so holy and righteous. Again, he's saying God sees the heart. Um, and and you know, if you're truly born again and you're you child of God, you don't need to. Go and practice all these things to try to show people how holy you are. Um, you know, you just you just live secure. Um, anyway, verse 2. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues. So he's saying that hypocrites, the Pharisees, they sound trumpets as they're giving um, and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. So in other words, all of their giving, it looks amazing. People are like, oh, they're so generous. They're so righteous. They're so holy. God must be so impressed, just like we're so impressed. And all the people are so impressed. Look how much money they're giving. God says they received their reward. In other words, that's not actually righteousness. Um, the, The reward they received is People's accolades and people like being so impressed with them. But God's not impressed. God's not giving them any reward. That's not righteousness. Amen. Like that. That is intense. What Jesus is saying. If you're going to rely on these external works. In in front of other. To try to impress people. These things are not righteousness. God is not impressed. Um, But when you give to the needy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. So that your giving may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Um, Now, yes, this is a good way to give. Um, In the new covenant, you know, this is how we should give. It's like, because our hearts are right. It's like, I'm not giving this to try to prove my righteousness. I'm not giving to try to show off and let other people think how righteous I am. Listen, I'm a child of God. I know I'm righteous. And so... I'm not giving for the wrong reasons. I'm I'm giving because I love people. I have my father's nature, my father's heart, and he loves people and it's all his money anyway. And I'm I'm just taking what's his and that he's entrusted to me and I'm blessing other people with it. And the reason I'm doing it is because I love them and I care about them and I want to help them. I'm not doing it to try to win accolades. I'm not trying to do it to try to Earn God's approval and to prove my righteousness or earn my righteousness. And, God, and this is what Jesus is saying if your hearts truly were secure, if your hearts truly were saved, if you really were born again, this is how you'd give. You, you wouldn't even let your left hand know what your right hand's. It's like you don't need to get people's approval. You don't need to try to earn God's love. You're doing it. You can do it completely in secret because your heart is pure. Your motives are right. I know I'm saved. I'm not doing it to be saved. I know I'm saved, and I'm doing it because I love. And that's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. Um, under the old covenant, people had sin in their heart, and 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 they had law to try to control that sin. And and the law, you know, um, told you, commanded you to love people. You must do this, and you must do that. And that looks like love. And so they're doing all these things: not committing adultery, not killing, not lying. And it looks like acts of love, but you don't need a heart of love to do it. Your motives are wrong. You, you're doing it because you don't want to be judged. I don't want to be cursed. Or you're doing it because you want to be blessed and receive some kind of blessing. Um, but in the new covenant, we believe in Jesus and God gives us a new heart. He takes out our heart of stone and he gives us a heart of flesh and it's it's God's heart. It's his nature. It's a reborn spirit that's full of the nature of God and it's full of his love. And so in the new covenant, um, you know, it's, we, we we do things out of love, and so you actually we don't need laws and commandments telling you do this, do that. It's like I'm, I do these things because I'm full of the love of God. We love because He first loved us, and and if you have to be commanded to love, it's not really love. Amen. No one needs to command me to love. God doesn't need to command me to love. I just got to I just I got to just live from His presence, live from my new nature live in his presence, encounter God, actually know God. And when you do, when you live from your new nature in fellowship with the Holy Spirit in in the presence of God, I tell you, you'll be moved by the love of God. And when you give, it comes out of love. It doesn't come out of works and trying to get some kind of a blessing or trying to earn your righteousness before God. That's the big difference. And that is what Jesus is showing here. Verse 5. Verse seven, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. So don't pray like the Gentiles, um, you know, lots of words and it's, it's just unbelief. You know, you just don't trust in God and you're just babbling, it's ritualistic prayer. There's no real connection to God. You don't have faith. Um, Jesus is saying, you know, don't pray like that. Um, and then he says, this is how you should pray. Now, you have to remember that Jesus isn't speaking this to the modern church, the today church. He's still speaking this to Israel, these Jewish people that were in the middle of transitioning. He was helping them to transition out of law and works and into faith. And grace, and so this is still before the cross. You have to understand, um, this is still in somewhat of an old covenant context. So there's some things in here that you you could take for today, but there's some things in here that are definitely not for today, and uh, I'll I'll explain and show you why. So, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Yes, Amen. We can we can pray that as believers. Our Father in heaven, hallowed, praised, honoured, be your name. Okay. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And amen. Like that's what we want. We want as it is in heaven to be done here on earth, the heavenly realm, the kingdom realm. We want to see that on earth. But, but actually what Jesus is saying, he's talking about the kingdom. Repent for the kingdom is near. And, um, you know, the kingdom is at hand. And so when you're praying. As your heart is transitioning, pray, yes, your kingdom come, your will be done, your plan of salvation for the Gentiles and for Israel of having faith through, through the Messiah, the, the Messiah that has come, this plan of salvation, yes, let it come. We want it. Not like the Pharisees who rejected it, but like Israel that has repented, been baptized in the river, transitioning out of works and law. The kingdom is at hand. Now it's coming through faith in Christ. The Messiah is bringing the kingdom. Yes, God, let your kingdom come. It's an agreement. Israel, agree with this kingdom. Agree with this transition. And that's what he's, he's teaching them. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, I mean, you could you could say Jesus is the daily bread. He's the bread of life. God, give us Jesus. Give us the words of love. Give us your words of life. Give us our daily bread. Not just relying on old covenant, old law, you know, that's disconnected from God. But we're coming into a place of connection with God. And um, we want to hear the voice of God, the words of God. Jesus. Speak to us through Jesus. God was speaking through Jesus. Um, The Pharisees, the law legalists didn't want to hear it. They didn't want... Daily bread. They didn't want to hear God. They didn't want change. They just wanted the old law, religion, and control. Um, and religion is what's left when God has moved on. But God is saying to these, Jesus was saying to these people, no, no, God's kingdom is coming. Pray his kingdom comes. Agree with this coming kingdom and and call out to God for the words. Move with the words of God. The daily bread. Um, and these, the, this daily bread was coming through Christ. And, um, you know, the Mount of Transfiguration you know in Matthew 17 we're going to read it later um you know Peter and and John they go up with Jesus and you know the glory is there and they see Moses and Elijah that represents the law and the prophets and um and and then a big voice from heaven comes and says this is my son Jesus my my son my beloved son hear him <laughs> and so And so don't hear Moses and Elijah. Don't hear the law and the prophets. Hear Jesus. Because the law came through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus. And the Bible says in Romans 3 that the law and the prophets point to Jesus. They testify. Their whole purpose, the whole purpose of the law and prophets was to reveal Jesus, was to point to Jesus. The law and the prophets can't save you, but Jesus can. But now a righteousness from God has been revealed from heaven. The righteous that is by faith, that even the law and the prophets speak about, testify about. And so the daily bread is hearing Jesus, receiving his words. And that's how you should pray. God, give us your words. We want to hear Jesus. We want to hear your will, your plan. Verse 12, here we go. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Verse 14, for if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so you can see that that right there is not a new covenant context. Okay, That is under the old covenant. That is pre-cross. Um, and so that part of the Lord's prayer Um it's, it's a little bit complicated, and I wouldn't apply that to the church, okay? And, and in fact, the Lord's Prayer really isn't for the church today, okay? <laughs> like, I know that that might sound blasphemous, and the, the church prays it religiously. Now, look, if you want to pray the Lord's Prayer, and that helps you, go ahead. I'm, I'm not trying to knock you for that, um, but if you understand the context, you'll realize this is before the cross. This is Israel transitioning out of works and out of law and coming into faith-based thinking. The kingdom is at hand. And and this is them praying for the kingdom, wanting the kingdom, wanting the words of Jesus, to receive the words of Jesus. Um, but this whole issue of of sin and um if you don't forgive someone then God won't forgive you. That again that's God Jesus he's he's dealing with the heart. Um, and and this He's showing the the requirements of the law. Okay, he, again, he's heightening the requirements of the law so that he can shine a light into people's hearts. He's saying, if you're not willing to forgive others, how do you think? Why do you think God should forgive you? If you want to live by the standards of the law, and you're not prepared to forgive other people, why do you think God should forgive you? It's like, no. If you want to be perfect, if you want to be absolutely perfect and righteous, then um, don't just expect God to forgive you. You need to forgive everyone else. Like even when they don't deserve it, you should forgive them. They've they've got debts against you. You know and it's not even just sin. It could be other debts, like you've lent them money, and you know your heart of love just forgive them. And it, and it's like that was too hard. That's too hard for these legalistic people. Um, that that's I don't need to do that. Why should I love them? They've they've sinned against me or they've borrowed that. It's like. Jesus saying, no, if if your hearts were truly changed, then you would just forgive people. If you just loved, you would just forgive them. Um, And so there was all kinds of things happening here. He was exposing their hearts. Um, But the reality is, after the cross, the Bible says in a couple of places that, um, you know, forgive others just as God has forgiven you in Christ Jesus. Okay. And so... In the New Covenant, we've been forgiven. Jesus, God, has forgiven us in Christ. We're fully forgiven of all of our sins. God is no longer counting our sins against us. So in Christ, we're forgiven. And it says, now that you are forgiven, also forgive others. But what happens if you don't forgive others? Does that mean we're not forgiven? No. In the New Covenant, we are forgiven. Even if you don't forgive others, you are still forgiven. Okay? So in the New Covenant, we're not forgiving others to try to get forgiveness. Under the Old Covenant you know, Jesus heartening the law, he is saying, forgive others, otherwise you won't be forgiven. So this is a work. This is, if you want to be perfect by the law, you need to keep this perfectly. So if you want to be forgiven, you need to forgive everyone else. Um, forgive everyone their sins, which is very hard for these Israelite people to do. And so, but that's pre the cross. That's before the cross. That's why I wouldn't be praying these things because this isn't spoken to the church. This is spoken to religious Israel is in transition the reality is after the cross in the new covenant we come a cross, and our forgiveness is not contingent on us forgiving others our forgiveness is contingent on us receiving jesus as our lord and savior believe having faith in jesus when we have faith in christ we're forgiven in an instant in a moment of every sin past present and future or we receive the gift of total forgiveness and that is how god relates to us that is how he treats us we're forgiven. He's no longer he's separated our sins as far as the east is from the west. He's no longer counting our sins against us. He remembers our sins no more. There's so many scriptures. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against them. You know, having forgiven us all of our sins. And so in the new covenant, we're forgiven in Christ forever forgiven. Whether we forgive others or not, we are still fully forgiven. That's the wonderful news of the new covenant. Now from that place, from that forgiveness, we should forgive others because we realize we don't deserve forgiveness. Neither do others deserve forgiveness. They don't deserve to be forgiven. Those people that did all those terrible things to me, you know, they don't deserve to be forgiven. But you know what? Neither did I deserve to be forgiven. And yet I I was forgiven. God forgave me. I didn't deserve it, but he forgave me. Wow. The mercy, the grace of God. You know what? I should extend that to other people. Not because they deserve it, but because I have a heart of grace. I have God's heart. I have the nature of God. And God is a merciful, gracious God, a forgiving God. And he forgives even when people don't deserve it. And so I should extend that same grace to other people. But under the old covenant, you know, what Jesus is saying here, if you want to be perfect, then you need to forgive everyone. Otherwise, God's not going to forgive you. Okay, so again, he's taking it back to works and Lord, heartening it to to expose the heart. All right. Verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, <clears throat> for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Again, this is similar to the other parts. He's exposing the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. They would, you know, parade that they were fasting, have gloomy faces. I'm fasting for God. Like, what is that achieving you? Seriously, like, what do you think you're achieving through that? That's just works, just pure works. You think you're earning something with God. You're not. God looks at that and thinks that's ridiculous. You think you're righteous by doing that? It says they've got their reward. They go around in town looking all gloomy. People are like, oh, are you okay? What's wrong with you? Oh, I'm fasting today. I'm just fasting. That's why I'm so hungry. But I'm doing it for God. I'm doing it for righteousness sake. And people are like, oh, you're amazing. Actually, it's just they've already received their reward. They don't have any righteousness. there's no re- God doesn't reward them with righteousness. That's not considered righteousness. Their reward is what people think of them. They're impressing people. people think they're so holy, but they're not. they're not righteous. And that's what Jesus is saying. It's not righteousness. if you if your heart was right, if you actually had the right heart, you know under the New covenant, under grace, you received the right heart and if you had the right heart, then, then when you're fasting, you, your motives would be right. You wouldn't be doing it to try to impress people. You'd be doing it out of the right motives. I'm, I'm, I'm fasting just because I'm, I'm not doing it to try to earn something with God or earn something with people. I'm doing it because I believe in fasting and I want to fast. I want to just deny my flesh for a while and allow my spirit to rise into ascendancy. And so I'm, I'm just going to go in secret and fast because I'm not doing it for, to try to be righteous. I'm already righteous. And so if I choose to fast, it's going to be for the right reasons. Um, and so that's, you just got to be free. But then you get some Christians that are like, you know, they don't want to tell anyone that they're fasting because they're afraid they're going to lose their reward. That's also self-righteousness. It's like, you know, I'm I'm a believer and I'm fasting. And then other person, oh, what's wrong with you? Like, What's right? Oh, no, don't tell them, don't tell them you're fasting, because then you lose your reward. Well, why are you fasting then? What are you doing? You're doing it for a reward? Like, shouldn't be fasting then, <laughs> okay? The, the, the reason, I don't care, I'll tell people I'm fasting. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't go out of my way to tell people I'm fast. If I want to fast, okay, I still believe in fasting. Not, not to try to twist God's arm or earn anything from God. Fasting's not about God. Fasting's about me. It's about me subduing my flesh and allowing my spirit to rise into ascendancy so I can spend some time with God and walk with God and hear the Holy Spirit's voice, but get more in tune with the Holy Spirit. And the New Covenant, people fasted. The, the, the teachers and the prophets in Acts 13, they fasted. And when they fasted, then the Holy Spirit spoke. So it, they just got more in tune with the Holy Spirit through fasting. Do you have to fast to hear God's voice? No. But when you fast, you do get more in tune with God, especially if it's an extended time of prayer, it's like you're tuning out the loudness of the world, the noise of the world, the clutter of the world, the unbelief of the world. You're just tuning that out. No Facebook, no YouTube, you know, no food, you know, food screaming. You're just tuning it out, not doing that stuff, denying myself, not focusing on that. I'm focusing on God, spending time with him. I'll tell you, when you do that, you're going you're gonna to hear God. You're going to get more and more in tune. You're going to feel the presence. You're going to feel the, the anointing, the nuances of God, and you hear God better. And if in the middle of that fast, someone says, oh, you look a bit pale. I'm like, oh, you know, what's wrong? Like, oh, nothing's wrong. I'm just fasting. You know, oh, no, you've lost your reward. I don't, I don't care about that. That's not what Jesus is saying here. He is he's exposing the hypocrisy of people that, that rely on works to save them. Verse 19. Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So what's what's he saying here? I think he's saying here, don't put your trust in money. Put your trust in God. Don't serve money. Serve God. Don't rely on your wealth, on your riches to save you. Trust in God to save you. And very often Jesus would um, compare the rich and the poor and, uh, you know, the, like the proudful rich versus the humble poor, that it's easier for the poor to receive the kingdom because they they empty, they humble, they reliant um, and they dependent and they easily receive God because they, they humble and they dependent. Um, but the rich are full of themselves, you know, they Rich in spirit, whereas the poor are poor in spirit. Um, the rich are rich in spirit and full of themselves and relying on their, on their wealth. And all that that is going to achieve for them is some riches here on earth. Some wealth here on earth. But moths and rust will destroy that. Thieves can steal it. And so you're putting your hope in your money, in your riches, in your abilities. Well, that kind of stuff is all going to pass away. Don't do that. Put your trust in God put your trust in jesus and by doing that you store up riches in heaven ultimately those riches is his righteousness is an eternal righteousness it's the gift of righteousness and no one can take that away can no nothing can corrupt that steal it uh, it lasts forever and ever and that's the most important righteousness not what you do here on earth to get rewards and accolades so jesus is saying don't put your trust in money and the pharisees they loved money the, Jesus said they were greedy and they in love with money. And so money actually was an idol for them that they weren't willing to give up. It, it caused their eyes to be dark, you know, darkness, lust after money and the idol of money. And it, it caused corruption to come into their whole being and, you know, riches, the lusts of the eyes. If that's what you're going after, that what you focused on, that's what you're looking at. It'll bring corruption and darkness to your whole body. But if you say, you know what, I'm not living for those things. I'm living for God. I'm living for Jesus. He has my heart. He's my master. He's my Lord. I surrender to him. Um, Then your eyes are, there's light in your eyes and your whole being will be filled with light. And um, saying you cannot serve God and money. It's just very simple. And the thing was, um, if you're serving money, it is also, it's a sign of unbelief. If you're serving God, it's a sign of faith. So again, it's a contrast of unbelief and faith. Um, when you serve God, you're not worried about money. It's like, I trust God. I trust that he's my source. I have faith. But when you focus on money, it's saying, no, I don't trust that God's my source. I don't have faith. I don't believe in God. I must do it myself. And I'm running after money. So you're relying on your own works and your own ability. And it's just, it's a clear sign. Something in the heart is wrong. And you're saying, you can't have that. R- running after money. And focusing on money and relying on yourself, and also have God and have faith and serve God. You must give up. You can't serve both. You've got to choose one. And he's saying, choose God, choose light. Let Jesus bring light into your life. Store up those treasures in heaven through faith, through trusting in God. If you're trusting yourself, you're not, you don't have any treasures in heaven. You're not going to make it to heaven. You're just going to build up some wealth here on earth, and then it's gone. So that's what he's saying. Have faith, ultimately. Verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are are you not of more value than they? And which of you Faith, and that's what this is all about. He's getting to faith. He's helping them to transition to faith, whereas before they've been self dependent, self reliant, relying on themselves, relying on their ability, relying on money, relying on works. And Jesus is saying it's time to let go of that stuff and rely on God, trust in God. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? or What shall we drink? or What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So he's saying, verse 33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. Righteousness. He's saying, leave unbelief, leave works, leave self-reliance and transition to faith. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. In other words, let your kingdom come, let your will be done. And uh, that's the attitude, that's the heart that these Israelite people needed to have. Not seeking after themselves, after money, after works, but seeking after Jesus, receiving Jesus and turning towards faith. God, let your kingdom come. Let your plan, your will, your ways, the king of the kingdom, let him come. And and seek first his righteousness. That's not seek first to try to be righteous. You know, the main thing in this life is to live righteous. No, seek first his righteousness. Don't seek first your righteousness. Seek first his righteousness. That's the gift of righteousness. And that is what Jesus wanted these Israelite Jewish people to be doing. Um, to be open to the kingdom, to receive the king of the kingdom, the Messiah, and to receive the gift of righteousness. And when you do that, you won't be anxious. You won't be anxious. And I'll tell you what, religion makes people anxious. and it And it puts such fear over people. And if you're not sure if you're saved or not, if you're not sure if you're righteous or not, if you're not sure that you're seated in heavenly places with God and you think there's doubt, maybe you're lost. I tell you, it brings such torment to you. And I've dealt with so many people over the years that are, that are still relying on their own works to save them. And I tell you, it, it messes with their heads, like people go into mental illness over this. It's simply a lack of faith. You don't understand the truth. You don't understand the gospel. And then you read the words of Christ and you think he's trying to get you to try to be more righteous and to do this and to do that. And you're trying so earnestly and so hard. And I don't know if I'm forgiven. I don't know if I've forgiven everyone. Maybe I haven't forgiven. And, and you just, all it does is it gets your focus on yourself, gets you into works and it gets your flesh into some frenzy to try to save. And that's, that's the opposite of what Jesus was trying to do. He was trying to say, look at yourself. And see how unable you are to save yourself. Your hearts are corrupt. You're lost. Now all you have to do is seek first the kingdom. Seek his righteousness. And all of these things will be added to you. You receive the kingdom. You receive God. You receive eternal life. You receive the blessings of God. And uh, I tell you, when you get so secure in the grace of God, in the gift of righteousness, I tell you, it brings such peace to your heart, to your mind. brings peace mental stability. Um, you won't fear. Oh, have I sinned? Have I, have I committed the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit? You know, am I on my way? You won't live with that kind of torment and anxiety. You'll live with perfect peace. You'll know that you're a child of God. You didn't have to earn it. You're not trying to have a righteousness that's greater than the Pharisees. You're not trying to be perfect like God is perfect. No, you, you're resting in Christ in the gift of righteousness, because you have faith, it's faith. In the it's it's the grace of God through faith. That's what saves us. That and that alone. And and when you understand that and believe that, you receive it. I tell you, you'll have peace. Um, you know, Hebrews four talks about there are some of you that have yet to enter His rest. The, he's talking to the Hebrew people, Jewish people. They were trying to save themselves through the law. He says you need to stop that. Just like Israel, you needed to cross over the Jordan and enter into the land of rest through faith. That's how you do it. You enter into Christ through faith and it's a place of rest. Amen. I tell you, it's awesome. There's peace, supernatural peace. That's why I love grace so much. I'm not striving. I'm not trying to earn the favor and the approval of God, the love of God. I already have those things. I live from those things. And anything I do, I, that I do for God, I do it not to try to get salvation, not try to get his love, I do it because I already have those things and he's given me a new heart, he's given me his nature and my life now is simply an overflow of that nature that he's put inside of me, his love that's in me causes me to love other people and it's this, that's the way of the new covenant and Jesus, that's the whole purpose of what he's doing here in the Sermon on the Mount He's transitioning Israel out of works thinking into faith thinking, out of law thinking into grace thinking. And uh, perhaps you've, you've read the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount in the wrong way. And it's led to, you know, earnestly trying to follow all the red letters and you're working for Jesus and you're trying to make sure that you're saved and you're doing the right. And I tell you, it's, it's time to repent of that stuff. Turn away from those works. Dead works. You're not adding anything to your life. You're not adding any reward, any righteousness. The righteousness from God cannot come from yourself. And if, and if you think you can still earn it, then you've got to read these things where Jesus is heartening the law, shining a light on our heart to show us how corrupt our heart is, how sinful we are, how far short we have fallen of God's standards, and how impossible it is to be righteous in ourselves and to save ourselves. The reason he did that was so that we'll call out to a savior and put our faith in Jesus, who him alone can save us, cleanse us from our sins, make us righteous, and qualify us to enter into the kingdom. It is by grace, through faith, and this is a gift. Hey, this is Ryan Rufus, and I hope you enjoyed this last chapter. Could I ask if you've been blessed by the Grace Bible Commentary, Would you consider making a donation to New Nature Ministries to help support the ongoing work of the Grace Bible Commentary? That would be greatly appreciated. To do that, simply go to newnatureministries.org. Thank you and God bless.